we live in interesting times. And uh, we've talked a lot about that as, um, as pastors. We were not prepared for what has happened to our culture. Um, and, and part of that is a contributing factor to what has happened to our culture, is that pastors were not prepared um, for this and, and let it happen. Um, now, it may have happened anyway, um, but uh, as, as Christians, you know, the only thing different between a pastor and you um, is the role, right? The, the mission is the exact same. You, in fact, uh, you have much more opportunity to impact culture than I do. Because as soon as people hear that you're a pastor, they immediately start thinking a different way. They, they kind of, in many ways, it's like, okay, well, I expect him to say this and this and this and this. But their coworker, who they've worked with for a long time, if you can share the gospel message by the way you interact with them, by the way that you treat them, you know, you, you don't, you're, you're not telling them they're a sinner every day. You're just living your life as a follower of, of Christ, and he will open doors for you to interact with them. And that's how the gospel message changed the world. And it still changes the world, right? We're just in a post-Christian place where we're, unfortunately, we're going the other way, right? There, there was a point where the gospel was expanding and changing culture and changing the world. Now we're kind of, it's like we've reached that and we've become too evolved and we're deciding, well, we're going to go the other way. Well, the gospel message is still the same answer, right? And, uh, and it's the answer to what's going on. And so we, we want to make sure that, that all of us are engaging uh, the, the kingdom for, for him. You know, our little tagline is living life uh, for Christ, impacting his kingdom, right? Be a disciple, impact his kingdom. And, and that's what we want to try to do. All right, so we are in De- Deuteronomy. This fits. Um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of fly through. I will say, it's been challenging going through Deuteronomy because it's it's not a it's not a typical. It's like what do you choose to preach on? Like I could I could easily just preach on a few verses at a time, right? But that would get old, and it's like okay, move on, right? But there's so much here, and again, it does give us a good foundational understanding of it, what a biblical worldview, so, because we start to see the character of God. And it's the same God back in Deuteronomy that we worship today. His character is the same. And he was preparing and moving towards today all the way back then. Right? And we see some of the same cultural rot <laughs> that we experience today. It was there then as well. And so he is calling this group of people to be different, to address those things. And, uh, and so I'll, we're, we're going to read quite a bit. I'm going to fly through a few things, but we're going to be in uh, chapter 18 um, and starting in, in verse 9. And, and I, I want to start here because this kind of sets up um, two important aspects. There is the God who hates evil and will bring judgment. That is part of the heart of God. And there's also the God who loves mercy and, and salvation and cares for the underdog, cares for the disenfranchised, right? We, all those, those terms that get thrown around. Guess what? God does love them. He has a heart for them. He is a kind, compassionate God. And he's also a God who will hold to account and a God who hates evil because of what it does to his people. 
right? And so you start in uh, verse 9. It says, when you enter the land, remember they're about to go in, into the land and, and uh, basically war is going to start. It says, when you enter the land, uh, the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omen, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you will dispossess, uh, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. Now, I think this is very interesting, especially where it says, uh, sacrifice his son or daughter to the fire. What, what does that mean? It literally means they were practicing child sacrifice. That's, that's what it means. And, and, you know, we've talked about this before, but a lot of times people dismiss the Old Testament and say, oh, God is so mean there. I don't like that God. Why did he tell them to uh, wipe out these, you know, people groups and things? And there's all kinds of reasons for that, cultural reasons, stuff like that. But they are, this is, they are reaping what they've sown. These are not godly nations. They are literally sacrificing children on altars of fire, right? So, so God abhors that. And so he, this is, they are being punished for it. And then he's warning the people, you don't start doing the same thing. Now, we look at that and say, oh, duh, why? We, wouldn't, we would never do something like that. Mm. Really? What, what is he talking about here? He gets into the spiritual stuff and demonic things. And, and those are things that are hard for us to understand. And, um, and so many times we just dismiss it. But it is very real. And it's not something we should obsess over. Um, but it's something we should be very aware of, that there is a spiritual world out there that is, that is working. I, there's this movie, I've, I've talked about it before, it's called Nefarious, and, uh, and basically it's kind of a modern, it's a, a, a guy who's demonically possessed, and he's uh, going to the gas chamber or, or the electric chair, and he's basically just sharing how Satan has completely warped and has, is destroying humanity, and he's happy about it, right? And there's this one scene where the, the, the counselor is having to declare whether he's insane or not so that he can, you know, the sentence can be carried out. And he, he's like, oh, I think this may be a spiritual issue. You need a, you need a chaplain. You need a priest. And so this priest comes in and, uh, and the, the guy, he kind of recoils and he says, no one wanted you here, man of God, get out of here, right? It's like he can't stand it. And then the priest says, uh, says oh, no, 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 it's, it's okay. It's all right. He says, don't worry, our thinking and understanding has evolved so much. We know there's not demonic possession. It's all, it's mental illness and we're here to help you. And the, the guy just immediately sits down and goes, oh, have a seat. And he shakes his hand. Right? So it's this demon shaking the hand of a, of, of a priest. And basically, I, that's many times what we've done is we think, oh, we, we've moved beyond. 
This was something back there in 3000 BC. They did the divination stuff and all of that. No, it is still alive and well, right? Now, it's not everywhere. Usually things like that are mental illness. You even read what true exorcists and priests say. It's usually mental illness. But Satan is real. Demonic influence is real. And it still impacts our societies and our cultures. And what, what God is warning about here, because what is this doing? By getting involved in that, not only is it demonic, but basically what you're doing is you're saying, I don't need the one true God. I'm going to rely on other things to secure my future. Right? I'll go, to the, go read the tarot cards. They'll let me know what's going to happen to my future so I can plan. Right? So I can have a control in that rather than putting your trust in God. That's ultimately what this is about. It's also, it starts off, the reason that people would sacrifice their children was to ensure their future success or prosperity. That is why it would be done. (laughs) And I don't want to go off on the tangent too much, but now what is the biggest reason given for why abortion should still happen. Because, man, it's going to make your future a little bit harder. It'll be a lot easier if you just take care of this now. It's still the heart of evil that is influencing us today that was the same as back then. It's still there. So we need to make sure that we are following God. That we are not listening to the culture around us. That we are following Him. And God knows that. And He knows the evil that is out there. And He wants us to be aware of it. So what does it say right following this? He says, verse 15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. For this is what you ask of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire any more, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words and the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded to him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods must be put to death. You must say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message from the Lord uh, has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Now, there's kind of two classes of false prophets here. One is a lot more serious than the other. One is, is, proph- is prophesying on behalf of other gods and is, is saying things that go directly against the one true God. They need to be purged. Right? You get rid of them. Right? The other prophet are ones that make predictions because they think something and then it ends up being wrong. Well, they're not a true prophet from God. But you don't necessarily have to completely get rid of them. Just know, hey, they're, they're probably just speaking out on their own. Right? 
And, and, and God started to do this, right? He started to send prophets. This, and what, he, what Moses is referencing there is when Moses, the, the people were hearing the voice of God and they were terrified. They couldn't handle it. They were like, no, just you speak to us, Moses. You tell us what God has to say, right? And, uh, and so God uh, understands, hey, there needs to be people who are sharing the truth of who I am. So I'm going to send prophets, right? But what is he really pointing to here? He's pointing to Christ, that I, I will send the ultimate prophet. I will send myself. I am going to come in the flesh, and I'm going to enter into this mess of a world, and I'm going to share the truth. And you will listen to my words and follow those words, right? God is preparing this whole whole time, right? But it's a process. History happens. God works within reality and within history. It, the people weren't ready at that time for Jesus. Society wasn't ready. He was moving. He was changing society. He was uh, influencing it through this group of people that he was uh, establishing right now. And so God is this, a God who, who works in the realities of, that we deal with, with our limitations. Things don't change immediately. He understands that we live in a fallen world, right? But he is going to stay involved. He is going to send prophets. He is going to show us the truth. We can know what is right and wrong, even in the midst of all of the craziness, okay? Now, I'm just gonna hit some some quick passages. I, I encourage you to read this. And there's when you read it, you're, you're gonna go, Gosh, that's so weird. Remember, this was there's a lot of cultural differences, okay? This, and but everything that the all of these laws that don't make sense to us are, were starting to change behavior to actually benefit those whose society was overlooking. It benefits women, uh, unbelievably so, right? And 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 it's changing the way society is engaging. It's trying to make sure people recognize, no, these things are actually evil, right? These are, there's evil going on and we need to put an end to it, right? So God is that God. And at the same time, he's also a God who loves us and who cares for us and desires that no one shall perish. But when it's time to purge the evil, you purge the evil, right? And, and you know, of course, in the Old Testament, it talks about putting people to death. Many times that is used as an emphasis, right? It doesn't necessarily mean it was always followed by the people, um, but it's, it's an emphasis. This is how serious this is. This is civilization ending stuff if you allow this to continue. It eats at a civilization. So I, I'm just going to hit uh, a few of these different ones, and, uh, and we'll talk about uh, he, he goes into to murder, making sure um, he's elevating the, the, um, the worth of life and that life is precious and there always needs to be a holding of account. But you, need to, you can't just take justice into your own hands, right? People who murder, they need to pay the price, but there needs to be a system in place that makes sure it handles it correctly and in a godly way. So chapter 19, verse 13, it's talking about premeditated murder here. And it says, show him no pity. Someone who premeditated uh, takes life that God has given, 
show him no pity. You must purge from Israel the guilt of shedding of innocent blood so that it may go well with you. Then uh, skipping down to verse 19 of chapter 19 says, uh, let's see, which there, sorry. Then do to him as he intended to do to his brother. So what this is talking about is someone bears false witness to try to get someone else in trouble. Then you say, do to, to him as he tried to do against his brother, as he intended to do to his brother. Listen to this phrase. You must purge the evil from among you. The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid, and never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Now, it's interesting because we look at that in our evolved thinking, and we think, oh, that's just how, how harsh that is. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. This was revolutionary at the time. It was showing mercy. It was saying murder and, and all kinds of other things ha- uh, that are evil have to be held to account, but it has to be measured. If somebody you know, goes and, and steals your goat, that doesn't mean that you can go kill them. And that stuff happened all the time, right? And you, you can read, you see this in history and see how it escalates. Read about the mob, right? It starts with a low-level guy getting whacked, swimming with the fishes, and then all of a sudden, it's a, it's a war back and forth between them, right? This was a limiting principle that God was giving the people of Israel. It was a totally different way of looking at justice and mercy, right? It, this was transforming the world. The reason that we look at this and, and are kind of uncomfortable because we're like, wait, we, we need to make sure that we don't overpunish and things like that. The reason why we think that is because God instilled this, right? He was, he was addressing societal evil. He said, it must be purged from, uh, from among you. And then uh, you can continue on, talks about warfare and just warfare and that there are still going to be times of war. God deals in the reality. Do you think God ever wants war to happen? No, he does not. But does God understand that we live in a fallen world? Yes, he does. And so sometimes evil has to be dealt with, but it goes through and it it says not everyone has to serve. it's, It's taking this very seriously. It's very interesting. And it also says give people the opportunity to make peace. Right? You don't just go wipe everybody out. So it's, it's very interesting, which again, for that day and time, was a totally new way of looking at the world. Then in Deuteronomy uh, 21, you, uh, you keep, keep going through, it starts to get into uh, to family situations right? and, and dealing with, with, uh, with family conflict and challenges and, and husbands and wives in a culture that it was it was a mess, right? You could have multiple wives, all this stuff. Right? And it's trying to form a new people to break these old traditions that were causing such problems. So in uh, in Deuteronomy twenty one verse twenty, uh, let's see. All right, it says they shall, and and it gets to it gets to the the uh, son and children. This is a tough passage. So what it's talking about is punishing your child. It says, well, not punishing, when your child has truly done something evil. It says, 
They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is uh, a glutton and a drunkard. Uh, then all of the men of his town shall stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Okay, there's a reason I'm bringing this because it's, it's easier just to skip over all of this stuff. Okay, what was happening is that if a mom and dad disliked their kid, they could just go and kill their kid, right? So what this is saying is you can't do that. If your kid does something really wrong, you bring him to the elders, to the justice system, and it takes care of the punishment, right? Not You can't just do that as a, as a family. Now, if you think, oh, that's, that's crazy. I mean, who would do that? Google, because I did this, Google honor killings present day. You will be shocked. In 2021, found this in like three or four different articles, in Great Britain, you know, that I mean, they are so, so behind us. You know, they haven't come up to the 21st century at all, Great Britain. There were at least 18 honor killings. Now, we can't talk about that because it is from a culture that we are real scared about saying anything bad about, but that happened in Great Britain. You actually look in the Middle East and in some, some of these cultures, it's not everywhere, it's not everyone, okay? There are thousands of children every year killed by their parents because they didn't wear the right headdress or they were prom promiscuous. You know, things that they, well, maybe they should be punished. Probably a little far to go with the killing. That is happening in the year 2023. And we have been convinced that this Bible is so old and it's dusty and it just is, talks about this backwoods time. We've evolved so much. No, we have not. Any evolving that we've done is because we actually, there are some who listen to what God has said and who try to implement that in society. And so society all of a sudden realizes yeah, we, we can't do this. This is crazy, right? So we, uh, it's, it's important to, to read these and realize what God is doing. He is trying to purge the evil from these cultures. And it's, it applies to, to today as well. Deuteronomy 20, uh, 22, verse 20. Uh, I'm gonna, just going to go through this. These are about um, men and women and their relationships, marriage, uh, all of this. I want you just to hear so the, the phrase that is used over and over again says, if, however, the charge is true and no perf of the girl's virginity can be found, uh, she shall be brought to the door of her father's house and there the men of her town shall stone her. She, ha she has done a disgraceful thing by being promiscuous while she was still in her father's house. You must purge the evil from amo among you. If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must, must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. If a man happens to meet in a town, a virgin pledged to be married and he sleeps with her, you shall take both of them to the gate um, and stone them. The girl, because she was in town and did not scream for help. In other words, this was consensual, right? Um, and, and the man, uh, he violated another man's wife. You must purge the evil from among you. Then it goes on to say, if, if a uh, man uh, rapes a, a young woman, he actually has to marry her. Now, we look at that and go, what? Well, 
that woman, if she was raped, basically is out of society. That's what would have happened. She would have no one to take care of her. She wouldn't be welcomed at her family. She would, she would basically become a prostitute. That is what would happen. What this was saying is, no, you do that. You have to pay for it. And now you have to take care of her the rest of your life. Right? So again, we misunderstand so much of this. This is actually God purging evil. He said, none of this stuff is good. And this has become commonplace in the culture. And it's just accepted and it's destroying things. It's destroying the family. What would all of those have in common? They're all destroying the family. And God desires for, us, for the family to be a source of blessing and prosperity and all of that. And he says, you've got to purge the evil. Get it out. And many times we read that and we think, oh, man, that's just really harsh. No, it's because God loves us that he desires for us to live according to his principles, the principles that he's instilled within us. And I think it's, it's vital that we understand that because we are living in a, in a cultural change where, where the world around us looks more like that world back then. And it's, it's going to be hard. Right? Because people won't, won't like to actually follow values that are higher than themselves. We tend to like to rely on the divination, the sorcery, the doing it our, our, our own. We want to be in control of our own destiny, not put our trust in God. And I encourage you to make sure you understand the heart of God. That there is a God who loves us, who cares for us, who forgives us. But there's also the God who says you've got to purge the evil. Because if you don't, it starts destroying society. It starts destroying his creation, the people that he loves. And and I've, I've seen this so much as we deal with some of the things that we're dealing with today that I believe are clearly evil. They blatantly go against Scripture. And you, you call that out in society and you're, you said, oh, well, Jesus just said to love one another. Jesus said, don't judge. Yes, but Jesus also threw evil out of the temple. Jesus is also the same God who said, purge evil from among you. Because ultimately, if you don't, it just grows and grows and grows and it destroys societies one way or the other, from the outside or from the inside. And we have to make sure we are messengers of truth. We do it in love, but we call evil evil. And we have to make sure that we live that message in our own life and that we are always looking at ourselves because it always starts with you. Is there, is there something that needs purging in your life? The answer is probably. <laughs> right? We all need to look in. We need to ask God to give us the strength to overcome those things that are keeping us uh, separated from Him. And we need to allow Him to fill us. We need to rest in Him. We need to start seeing the world through His eyes. And He will give us wisdom to know when you need to stand up 
and purge the evil or when you need to stand up and put your arm and let someone weep on your shoulder as they are broken and need healing. God does both and he calls us to do both as well. Let's go to him in prayer.